This comes from uh, post this 99 on Twitter. He said, since the Flyers young players are playing great, would you trade Mitchkov for a first line young center? This would speed up the rebuild. I don't think it would speed up the rebuild. I think it would burn the city down, to be honest with you. Certainly a fucking question. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back here to Four Fly Guys, the official podcast of Mayor Media. Uh, fellas, I'm not even going to – we're going to go into check-in, but I'm not even really going to go into it that much. The The, the Flyers are hot. Um, their Flyers are, are turning into a wagon, uh, as, as it's the, uh, the uh, title of this episode. 6-0-1 in December, since we left, left, last left off – um, we were kind of, you know, we were really hyped about the series against Pittsburgh, the two games there, the home and home. Um, previous episode, we really criticized a lot. And uh, they kind of made us all look like idiots, which is kind of a good thing. Um, so I'm just going to leave this out there for, for anybody. I mean, we're, again, 6-0-1 in uh, December, a couple really big wins these past couple of days. Washington, Detroit had a good road trip, five out of possible six points. How are we feeling right now? Feeling good, man. This is wild. I think we have been kind of just thinking like most of the year that eventually this would stop and it just hasn't yet. Um, And starting to kind of get excited about it. Um, Still don't have necessarily like high aspirations for this team really, but it's, it's starting to just enjoy the wins a lot and cool to go into it and actually think like, Oh, they might win this game against most of the teams in the league. Um, yeah, it's been really fun. Dude, I'm just I'm, – I'm so conflicted. This team makes me feel – I don't know how to feel. Because, like, with, yeah. with, the, with, the, with the way I've been hurt by this team so many times, <laughs> I, I, feel like, I, I feel like I can't believe it until we're actually in the playoffs or something like that. Even if we have one game left in game, in game 82 I, and, we're, and we're, not, we're not guaranteed, I'm, I'm still I, – I don't know. I'm up in the air and I just don't know what to do. Yeah, no, I hear because I think it's, I think it's starting to hit like, good start, or like, is this team actually good? Like, we're starting to hit this team is good territory. Not like this is. A, I mean, oh last night was. I don't want to. I don't want to say it. I yeah, mean, I but, but they are though. That's that's the thing. It's I don't know. It's it's a weird um, thing to kind of think about, but because because no one really thought that they'd be here is is the biggest thing. So. Yeah, no, fucking right. I mean, it just feels good to have – it just feels good to have belief again, doesn't it? I mean, like, you know, it's good to pretty much be able to, I think, you know, like Will was saying, just watch any game and be like, hey, especially covering any game, just knowing that there's a chance that they're going to win. It's, because it's not a matter of like, oh, you know, well, they play like shit against this team or, oh, well, they suck. So, you know, it's effort night in, night out. They can compete against anybody. Any game could be a win. It's – it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think especially too with the amount of games that they have not, and it's. I think it's. I think the biggest thing with me is just like there's so many games that they're like they're in every game, and and they've had. I've said this so many times, whether it was this pod, the videos, whatever, they've been in every game. They've had a response when something has gone wrong. Just about everybody has stepped up in every sort of way. They've been healthy, knock on wood. Um, outside of Noah Cates and Stahl, who's been back for you know about a month or so now, um, it, it, they've been relatively healthy, and, and, and that's been good to see. Um, I think some guys have struggled a little bit. Um, 
you know, they, they basically stayed with, with the same lineup for this entire month, which has been good. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of tackle into the past, uh, past couple of games here. We got some wins uh, on this road trip. Again, five out of a possible six points. Flyers with a central road trip. Um, going to Arizona, Colorado, and Nashville. A 4-1 win in Arizona. Uh, a really solid win in, in that Connecty kind of continued what he was doing against Pittsburgh. He had two goals, his 13th and 14th of the season. Uh, Farabee gets on the score sheet his ninth. Cam York has a dazzling goal in this one. Carter Hart was very good, sub 24 out of 25. Really good game. Uh, any, I, I, you know, I know it's a little bit back here, but any uh, thoughts on uh, the, the game against the, the Yotes? I mean, I guess the Flyers are not going to win this cup this year, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because you know, um, the Yotes are wagon, right, guys? To be a wagon, I mean, you got to beat a wagon. Paul's on to something right there. That is true. Wait. Yeah, you're right. I was confused by what you said for a minute. I was like, oh, wait, that makes sense. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they had the, the streak of beating the last five cup champs. Um, we beat them, though, so I guess we aren't going to be the next ones. Um, but, you know, um, that was honestly one of the games I was looking forward to most this season. Um, like like Paul and I have said, we, we stand by the Yotes train. Um, I'm on that shit, I looked at the schedule early on. Yeah, Sam's on it, too. Chris is the only exactly. one who's against them. But, um, yeah, looking at that, I was like, you know what? I'll be looking forward to this. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun game. Um, nice to watch. Always enjoy watching the Coyotes, even in past seasons. Don't really know why, but it's always been fun. I think I, I bet I against like the Flyers in that. Did you? <laughs> in that game? Did you? Yeah, I think so. Because aren't the Coyotes really good at home or something? I think they're like. Yeah. I think like it's like. I think yeah. I think people always joke it's like they have a shit arena, but they defend it like it's their job because it is. <laughs> yeah, but they, no, because Mullet Arena though. Because it's so like compact, the fucking atmosphere there is unreal, and that's why they're partly why they're so good at home. I mean, like I'm, I don't know if you've I actually think it seats like what five five thousand, something around there. It's exactly yeah. that. It's about five thousand. I want to look it up. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the biggest thing with them is they're they're yeah they're ten and five at home, five eight and two on the road, um, six four and zero oh in their last ten. And I think the biggest thing with the Flyers in that one was was the penalty kill. Um, it went three for three, had some really good moments. The PK has been very good all year. Uh, there were you know some some chances in the game yesterday for Detroit, and the Caps did score a power play goal against us on Thursday. But outside of that, going back to the to the Oats game, it's been really good for most of the season. Uh, going into the game yesterday, it was fifth in the NHL. I think it's, I think it was like eighty six percent even, um, like right around there, and. It's been good. It's been it's it's been so good that I think it's it's made the talk about the power play kind of dwindle down. Even though the power play is still a huge problem and and still can't get anything going with that, but I, I think it's it's really been encouraging to see that that the PK has stepped up. I mean, it, it's just so many little things. Like the, the, a the threat to score offensively on it is incredible. Then you have the fact that they don't really give teams much of anything. And a lot of times this year that I've, I've, when me and Bill Meltzer have done um, Flyers warm up, there's been a lot of times where me and Bill have said, like, don't take penalties, don't take penalties, don't take penalties, because this team's power play, like, won't 
is just going to kill you if you continuously take penalties. Like teams like the Rangers, Vancouver, right? They move the puck to Vegas. Teams that have really good power plays and really good personnel. And the Flyers have just completely just haven't really let anyone do that. Like, yeah, they've given up some goals and stuff like that, but they just play such a good style where they just, they block a ton, obviously they block a ton of shots, sticks in lanes, clog the middle, like whatever you want to say. Like, like basically like whatever uh, hockey cliche you could say about playing well and defending and all that is basically you can apply it to uh, apply that to the Flyers power play. Like it's, it's been really good to see. And I I think it's really kind of elevated that. So that was one of my takeaways from that game was just, how good that the PK was and, and just kind of elevated everything else. And obviously they get the shorty from connecting that one too. Yeah, dude, Nark kill being so good with it, just neutralizing the other team's power play pretty much every game. It's basically just a wash in that department. So, and we can hang with every team five on five, especially lately. So, I mean, it's a weird way to go about it and it doesn't feel like it's right, but it's working. So I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It feels odd, to be honest. Like it's uh, this whole year has just been, I think, a surprise. But that is not something I would have expected. I mean, like I guess with the Torch team, like defense is always going to be huge. Um, but the PK, like it's it's really been outstanding. Um, I feel like I'm watching a clinic just every time they go up, and I'm actually kind of excited when I see they were going to the penalty kill because I'm just excited to watch it um, from the angle of like we. Net wins aren't necessarily like as important this season because of rebuild. Um, we're still winning them, but like I've been looking for other things to watch and care for, and that's one of them. And it, it's been really cool to see that all year long. Just their PK work has been phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's been great. I've been a huge fan of that. Yeah, no, the, the PK has been obviously one of the, the main components of why they've started off so well. Um, I think you saw it yesterday with Detroit. There was a uh, a lot of different opportunities that they had offensively, and then there was one penalty in specific that was on Philadelphia. I don't remember which call it was. Might have been in the second period. Um, Detroit had all the momentum, and the penalty kill just completely made it fucking disappear. You know, all it takes is one good kill, and all your momentum is gone. We even saw the the same effect when the Flyers went on the power play, the first unit, you know, they have a little bit of looks and then puck gets cleared. Second unit comes out. They can't even enter the zone. So whether it's for us or against us, good kills go such a long way. And that's a huge chunk of the reason why they started off so hot this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the the biggest thing from it is that they've been able to, Again, like I said, just generate that that offense from it, and you know they, they keep getting shorthanded goals. Um, it, it, it's been really nice to see, and kind of going off set, off of that uh, game against Arizona. Then there was two games: uh, Colorado five two win, really solid win that night, connecting with another two goal game. They did lose to Nashville in overtime, uh, down to nothing, kind of battled back. Really deserved to win that one. It was tough for Urson, who's obviously played the last couple of games here because Carter Hart's been sick. But I mean, just any you know thoughts on on, on those two games uh, with the the Avs and the Preds, and then just kind of Urson's last couple here because you know he's obviously been a huge part of that, and you know that kind of leads into um, the uh, Caps game as well. I've loved seeing Urson. Um, obviously, Carter uh, Carter Hart's been fantastic all season long. 
Um, but one of the biggest things this season that I was looking forward to was seeing more of Harrison, seeing if it would hold up. Uh, obviously, had a bit of a rough start to the season, but I thought he's looked great in these last games. Um, his save percentage in the, the first two weren't necessarily outstanding, um, but it's been great to see him. Um, you know, it's more on the, the tail end of those games you just mentioned. Um, but I, I just – every game he's playing, I'm excited to watch uh, just because of him. And, and he's held up to that. So, yeah, he's been great. Yeah. Um, you know, Urson, he's one of the more interesting guys, I think, that we have on the on – the, not just on the roster, but within the organization right now. You have a lot of other guys, especially in the prospect pool with Kolosov and – uh, you know, Bjarnason, uh, Zavrigan, obviously, over in Russia. You have a lot of options, but when Erson is already, you know, he got the, the two-year extension over the summer, it, I feel like that move right there solidified that, you know, right now they view him as the long-term backup. And, uh, or maybe not long-term, but at least, you know, for the near future while the other guys are still developing. It was really crucial to see whether or not he would live up to those expectations and come in and have a good season. We've, you know, we haven't seen him play a full season in the NHL yet. Now as a full-time NHLer, I think he's kind of showing everybody what he can do. It wasn't a great start to the season. Like Will said, yes, you know, especially the game against Anaheim, that was a rough one letting up seven goals, but I think he's rebounded really nicely. He's, I mean, he's undefeated in shootouts. So, you know, if you go to one of those, just may as well put him between the pipes. Right. So, um, yeah, man. I you know, Erson's been he's been really good. Yeah, no, I I think the the biggest thing with with Sam is the fact that not you, Sam, the other Sam. Um, <laughs> I think I think the biggest thing with with Erson is just that he and it, like to me, it's not that he's just making saves; it's it's the way he's making them. Like he doesn't give up, like he doesn't really give up any rebounds. Like, the more I've been watching these games, I'm like, I don't really notice him giving up a ton of rebound, like, second opportunities, whatever. And then also, in in, in in another fashion, is that he takes away a ton of the net. Even though he's not the he's not the biggest goalie, he's not, like, a, you know, huge size or anything. But he he really takes up a ton of the net. And, Paul, like you said, I mean, the, the you know, the... The, the shootouts. I mean, he he did get beat by Oshi, but Oshi is what I think her career like thirty five percent, maybe forty in the shootout. I, mean, I think you, you saw what he did in in Sochi in two thousand fourteen in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's been so good in his career, but that was yeah, that was a highlight yeah. one. So the guy is one of the nastiest shootout takers of all time. It's if there's a guy that you're going to get scored on by Oshi's, you know, he's the one. So you know, yeah, you can only fall him so much for that percent shootout. I mean, I don't know how many times he's gone, but this year he's 33.3%. That's crazy. That's unreal. That's wild. I mean, it's only been uh Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, he's played 21 games, but it doesn't it doesn't say how many games have gone to shootout, but he's 33.3%. It's still insane because I don't think the Flyers have had a guy that's been ever that good in, in a shootout or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, just, I, I have a question with that actually. Four yeah. years from now, who's the Flyers' best shootout taker? Mitchkov, I think Mitchkov. I'd say Goche, probably. I still think it's gonna be Mitchkov, but another guy I could say that could be up there 
is Brink. Because that, uh, that movie the other night was sweet. And plus, just, I mean, I don't know. He's had a really good season. I mean, he scored against Washington. We'll, we'll talk about that game in a minute here. But I don't know. I mean, it's a really good question. I, I, I just think Goji has a better shot. Yeah. No, he does. It's not about that in, in yeah, shootout, I feel like. It's, dude, the, the shootout is so, like, its own thing. Like, the, the, that's why it you is. always say the most random players are, like, good at the shootout. It is, but I, I don't think it's necessarily one of those things where, like, you have to have the best hands. Obviously, the guys with the best hands, you know, Patrick Kane, TJ Oshie coming in, they're going to, you know, razzle-dazzle their way through. God, yeah, no, I didn't mean to Yeah, no, 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 you're good. But, you know, you look at a guy like Couturier, right? I, I think he scored three for four this season. And, and yeah, he's 75%. Well, penalty shot was one of them, but yeah, he's like two for three. Two of those shots were just straight up, you know, shoot it at the goalie. The the one that he just scored in against Washington the other night was a straight, you know, a little snapshot in front of the in the slot. I mean, if you have a guy like Goche who has an absolute bullet, I don't see him being one of those guys who's just gonna go, you know, make a couple moves and then, you know, try to beat the goalie Claude Giroux style. Mm -hmm. I, Mitch Scott might have a better shot, you could be right, but I think I don't know. I, for some reason I'm thinking Goche. Well what what do you want? Do you want the guy with you know the moves or do you want the power shot? If you had to, I don't think Mitch Cobb necessarily has ridiculous hands. I don't either. I, I was I, truthfully, I was gonna say, I don't think it's either of them. I was thinking like Brink or Katori or like someone else, like more random. Like, I, yeah. I don't think Gautier necessarily I mean, has it's such the, a the hands thing. to be the best. And I don't know that Mitch Cobb necessarily has the shot, but I mean, who knows? I feel like we don't, we don't really see Mitch Cobb in shootout. Like, yeah, I, I think so it's different. So, like, who knows? Like, Maybe he's better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's different because it's like it's not. It's not always something that you look at a guy to like be good at. It's just like, all right, like because some guys would just go to to go. Like Cam Atkinson, for example, he's you know good in other areas, but he's great on breakaways. Um, I think he's actually better on breakaways than he is in the shootout. Some guys are better are better at penalty shots. It's it's a it's a different situation than the shootout because you know in the shootout I think you can kind of. Try more, I think, because in the penalty shot, there's just the one chance, and then the play goes back, you know, just goes back on at the same time. The shootout could be either sudden death or you, you know, still have a chance to, to win the game if, if, if you go early in the round. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't, I think when I said Mitchkov, I didn't mean it because like he has the best hands. Like, I, it honestly just came into my head because I'm like, this guy's gonna, I just have the feeling he's gonna fool American goalies when he comes over, or just, or just, I should say, not American, but just, uh, NHL goalies and, and North American goalies, whatever, um, because of the way that that he plays the game, and I think part of that also comes into something that I think I think we talked about the last episode. I can't remember if it was you know him kind of coming over because again, I, I part of me really thinks that, and again, this kind of ties into my thoughts on playoffs and everything. If they end up getting close this year, and and. Just say for shits and giggles that they do get in, right? Say they get in and say they're like a like a say they're they're like the first wild card team by like two or three points. Just 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 say the East is really tight. They get in, right? A couple of games, whatever. They're in, and if they end up going decently far, because to me, I see this as, as two things. If if they were to make the playoffs, I know I'm going a little off topic, but if they were to make the playoffs, this is either one of two things: they get in, 
by like the skin of their teeth in both scenarios. I can't see them really having much of an edge. I do think some teams are probably going to be playing better. New Jersey, Carolina. I do think the Islanders and Capitals will drop off a bit. Pittsburgh is shit. So there's that. As for us, I think we're still going to get in the skin of our teeth no matter the situation. But they're either going to get in and they're going to be a first-round exit in like five or five or six games. Or they're just going to pull some 2022 Phillies run and go deep and, and end up going like second, third, maybe even a cup final. Who the hell knows? I Probably not. I'm probably talking out of my ass. But everyone said that about the Phillies too. So I don't know. I mean, I, I really can't see them getting in to begin with. But again, like I said, we're starting to really get to like because again, I think I'm I think I'm kind of like going off what Sam said earlier. Like, I'm not trying to get too high or too low here. Like, I'm like, all right, I've done this before. Like, I don't want to mess up this feeling because it, it's such a good feeling to have, especially when the team keeps winning games like this. Yeah, how much of a believer are you? Are you a game to game believer? Or are you a season believer? Right. Exactly. I think it's kind of just game to game right now. I think Elmore Ganey had a great way of describing it as like they basically it, it, it's like living paycheck to paycheck. It's literally how it is. That that's basically how, it's a great analogy for it because it's it's the perfect way for where they that they've been. Um, each game, it's like all right, let's see how we do. And I actually thought that this game against Detroit, the past one, and really the past couple of games, but I thought the game against the Red Wings would have been a little easier, just because it's like. They don't have Larkin. They don't have Perron. Costin uh, and Comfer were coming off of IR for IR for the first time. They started Alex Lyon, who, yes, has had a good season. But more than probably half the team knows his tendencies. So I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, this might be this might be a little bit of an easier win. It was, a, you know, kind of a kind of a no-biter at the end there. But we'll start with the Cavs game. We'll get into, into Detroit in a minute. Uh, a 4-3 win over the Capitals on Thursday in a shootout. Uh, Flyers had the first goal. Didn't really hold it for any length of, of amount of time, 46 seconds was all it took for the Caps to tie it up. Bobby Brink scores for the Flyers. Joel Farabee gets a tying goal on a beautiful wraparound. Owen Tippett gets one on a really good play from Morgan Frost. Um, Coots and Brink score in the shootout, and Urson undefeated in the shootout. He stopped 27 30 in that one. Thoughts on the game against the Caps, fellas? It's a very, uh, very entertaining one again. Um, yeah, I thought that Caps game honestly was just kind of like. The ideal game in that the people you want to see producing were producing. Uh, I mean, Brink had the goal and the shootout goal, so technically one goal, but we saw two goals from him. That was awesome. Um, Frost had two assists. Uh, Farabee goal, he's been outstanding this season. Uh, Tippett goal. Um, and like I said, I've been really just loving Arison this season, just loving to watch him. Fantastic game from him there. Always, he's been fantastic in the shootout, like we've been talking about. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a great game. Um, crazy how much we're getting to say that these are great games this season. Um, but I thought that one was one of the most fun games I've watched this season, surprisingly. Yeah, no, that was that, that was pretty much the Bobby Brink coming out game, I feel like. Um, you know, he, he started off the season pretty well and then kind of fell off a little bit, sat in and out of the lineup. And just offensively, you know, wasn't really doing a ton compared to where he was at earlier. But, you know, ever since probably the Colorado game when he returned to Denver, he's just been really noticeable, really on top of it. And, you know, he had the goal in regulation to start it off. And then obviously one of the nastiest 
fucking shootout goals I've seen in a Flyers uniform in a second. I mean, it, it wasn't even like that impressive of a move. It was just the patience that he had to outweigh uh, what's his name. Um, Capitals goalie, whoever it was in the net, didn't matter because he was going to embarrass whoever it was. But Langern, yeah. Um, that was it was gross and uh, you know, just really solidified the fact that he's if he's this confident as a rookie in his you know patience and his, his stick skills and just abilities with the puck, I think he's going to go a long way. And um, it's just really good to see him, you know, kind of get back into it after a little bit of a you know a rough patch. Yeah, that move was fucking disgusting. I mean, the the, the goal from uh, Coots was gross too, because he was doing the same move before, but since Lingren's right hand shot, you can't do that. You're shooting it right into his glove. So that was that was beautiful. Um, I would love to see Coots if he could try that move on the backhand and do it that way on a right hand goalie. I don't know if he could do it because I know he's he's done the the Forsberg before. Like he's very creative in the shootout, and I, I think Brink. He's another one. Like he's he's got really good hands, especially in, in tight spaces like that, and wins a ton of puck battles and stuff like that too. And it was weird because I thought Torts Torts said he didn't love his his overall game that night, which I kind of thought was weird. I thought that was one of his more better quiet games, to be honest with you. But not not even just because he scored and, and everything else. I noticed him more uh, than the goal, and obviously the shootout was was the the big thing too. And um, it doesn't really make much sense because like I feel like if if he didn't like his his actual game, why would he put him out in the shootout? Like that was just kind of weird to me. I don't know why, but anyway, uh, it's it's nothing to to, to just, just be negative about. I'm just genuinely curious. But uh, you know, again, a really really good win that night and a bounce back from uh, from Nashville because I I was concerned. I think going into to the, this little homestand here was how would they respond from a being on the road for a good chunk of time and having a couple of days off that whole thing. And that first period was fucking boring. Oh my god, the Flyers! I think it was three shots, and thankfully the the last you know the third period really made up for for the first. But Jesus Christ, that was so boring. Um, so that was the one thing I was really concerned about. But outside of that, I mean, again, we'll we'll, uh, we'll hit the uh, Red Wings game here. One nothing win last night for the Flyers uh, two nights ago. As 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 uh, you're listening to this, it's. Uh, Again, I, I thought last night's game was was good. I mean, from the amount of little things that I thought that, that they did well in, in, in that one. York gets the goal, uh, the game winner in the first period. Uh, it looked like it was Coots' goal deflected off of, I believe, Wallman in front. Uh, Urson uh, stopped 34 of 34 for the Red Wings. Second uh, shot out of the season. Uh, that was his third of his career. Um, Ristolainen was very good. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about him here in a minute. But uh, any uh, any thoughts from uh, last night's game against uh, the Red Wings? It felt like we should have. It felt like it should have been more than a one nothing game. But then you also going funny. into it, what was that? I I, I should say you know it's funny. I tweeted that I thought that that they were going to win three nothing. I was like, it, it felt like one of those games. It was like a, a closer game, but the, you know, I ended up getting. I don't know why I felt a shutout, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it was kind of kind of should have been a lot more than than what was on the scoreboard. But then it kind of felt like we were going into that, but we were playing a team that was like obviously missing big weapons and stuff like that. But then, I mean, I was upstairs for that, and I was trying to learn something else upstairs. So I was just getting to watch like kind of like what I could. But um, it just like eventually as the game kept going on, it just felt like 
you know, the, the, the Red Wings team was just going down. Like every two minutes, it felt like that another guy that was getting hurt or there's another guy that was questionable and stuff like that. And then who, who is it that got, that got absolutely ran over? And Fabry. Just, yeah. Fabry. Yeah. And seeing him and then seeing Lyon leave, I, don't, I just felt like, are they going to have anybody left by the end of this game? And also um, with Risto, I mean, I saw like, I, I've, I have, I have a tough time with Risto because I'm not a Risto fan. And we're going to get into that too. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just funny, but like he did have a good game. And I, I, I feel like if we just took that number down for me in my head, I could get to the point where I'm like behind him and everything. Cause it's good to see a, a, a flyer doing that again, playing like a kind of like a Nick Cronwall type game fittingly against the Red Wings. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Just, oh. Yeah, Risto, I mean, again, we'll get into it, so I'll keep it minimal for, for this. But, yeah, he was great that game. Um, I think that hit really was just the, like, like most visual, like, clearly visual version of how he's been playing. Like, we haven't seen something, like, I feel like to that caliber from him yet this season, but it's been all stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, odd game. As well, one nothing wins. I feel like are always strange. I never really know what to think about them afterwards. Like, did we play a good game if we only scored one goal? I, I think so, but it was iffy. So yeah. You know, I, I, me personally, I thought that was one of you know, kind of just transitioning here into, into the whole the buzz around wrist line, and I think. I tweeted that I thought it was his best game to date in a Flyers uniform. I could be way off, but I just – he was so notably good, noticeably good, and he did it in top pair minutes too. Usually he plays on the second pair because, you know, he came back earlier this season a little bit later into it. He missed the first 20 games. He's been playing on the third pair, usually with either Stahl or Zamula. The fact that he was able to take over for Sanheim, you know, who's sick obviously – and fill in that role to a point that you have to figure when he got here, he came from Buffalo as pretty much nothing more than a tall, lanky version of Tony D'Angelo. You know, he's he's the guy in who has ways, offensive yeah. in some ways, yeah. Yeah. The guy who's just kind of like a little bit of a, you know, offensive dynamo with a little bit of skill, gonna make a lot of plays offensively, but other than yeah. that, he's a defensive liability. He would chase hits. He would, you know, a lot of Buffalo fans called him a bonehead because he just liked the chase chase hits, didn't really know how to use his body, use his size. He is so improved under Tortorella. I'd say probably since, like, what would you say, December maybe of last year? December 29th, they played San Jose. It was a 4-3 win in overtime. It was his, it's the best fucking game that that guy's played in his career as a flyer, in my opinion. And it's And ever since that game, he has been lights out. Like I, I genuinely don't think he has made like a play that I sit there and I say like, yeah, that was a horrible play. Like, and I'm genuinely serious when I say that. And obviously, there's there's missed time. There's about like, about two months of missed time or something like that with the injury. And Paul, I think the reason you're noticing Risto so much from last night is because Sanheim didn't play. And I because that that was how I felt. I said that in my video. I'm like, I noticed Walker more. I noticed York more. I noticed Bristow more. I noticed Sealer more. And that was because A, Sanheim wasn't on the ice. And B, those guys all had to step up. So, you know, you, you saw that. And I thought, again, 
Well, I think your point about the one nothing games was is fair because it, it's it, it's definitely a fair comment to make. It's like, how do you really feel about that? I mean, you only scored one goal, especially if it's in the first period too. It was like maybe seven, six something minutes in. Um, there's a ton of time left in the game. Flyers have one nothing. You're like, all right, this might be a high scoring game, and then it kind of just it kind it didn't really fall apart. Like teams had scoring chances. Um, <clears throat> I thought the, the the biggest thing, and I, I think the thing with Risto too is. You know the the one thing that I that I noticed the most with Hristo is that he that that is that they clearly trust him now. Like I think there there was a different time before around the beginning of of the first couple months of Torts and maybe the first 15, 20-ish games or so where you no know, I I don't really think Torts trusted him. I think I there were some things that I was just like I don't know there was like it was like ice time kind of where he was positioned stuff like that. Now he's playing second pair, obviously because of the injury, right? And they won in both York, that whole thing. But if not, he would have been playing first pair. Played first pair last night, you know, in the absence of of uh, Sanheim. He's now a uh, quarterback on the power play. They've used him in that role too. Uh, the past couple of games, I mean, they even torque, they even took torque, they even took York off of it to put Risto on because it was struggling trying to you know move the puck and they did that I believe it was the Washington game if I'm not mistaken they really I think they really trust him in in some ways and I think the biggest thing with that is the the overall play of just him again he he moves the puck up the ice he, he's actually I think the biggest thing that I noticed with him too is just the fact that he's he's a lot faster in his movement he's quicker like he's able to move the puck not just move the puck up but his feet like he seems like he's faster in in you know his, his skating abilities too so i mean I, I know there's been trade buzz around him too we'll, we'll i'll bring that up here in a second some of the trade buzz on risto um here it is so this is this is a quote from Torts, and then this is a quote from Elliot Freeman. So from Torts, he said, I wish I had him when I was 18 coming into the league. It's been fun playing for – Oh, sorry, this was uh, Risto talking uh, about Torts, right? Or no? How was this yeah. written in the notes? Okay. Yeah, anyway, so this is uh, – I wish I had him when I was 18 and coming into the league. It's been uh, fun playing for him, and I feel like I've taken big steps uh, under him. And then this is from Friedman. I do think Toronto has taken a look at Ristolainen, uh, but I don't believe the Flyers are eager to give him away, and there's no rush for them to do anything while their group is playing well. I believe this was this was from a few days ago, and that's still that's still the case because the Flyers are still winning. Uh, that's not to say it couldn't be something down the road, but when the team is competing hard, getting good results, and generally doing what is being asked of them, why throw a stink bomb into your dressing room? What is the asking, asking price? What could a uh, potential return look like? Uh, obviously, Risto, three seasons remaining uh, at 5.1. That contract looks good, too. I mean, for the way he's playing and where the Flyers are at in, in you know, cap room, they don't have a ton of cap space, a little under a million. But, like, I think there are 47 contracts, too, so they don't have a ton of wiggle room. But, like, that deal looks good. And if they were to trade Risto, what were you guys thinking? I mean, obviously, any trade involving him or take something back. Like, if you look at the the cap space of teams, like we're gonna have to take something back or retain. So, I mean, that that obviously changes things. But I, I feel like his value with his contract, I, I feel like it's got to be around a second round pick for him alone. I mean, obviously, if you retain some stuff there, maybe you take something back, maybe that changes. Um, I, I'd personally be all for trading him. 
um, ignoring the fact of the value, I'd probably rather he be traded than Walker. And I'm of the opinion that one of the two at least should be traded. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, and I also think that if they can get something done soon, they should do it sooner than later. I mean, like, unless we think his value is going to continue raising, um, I, I wouldn't want to wait till the deadline for this with a bigger contract like his. I feel like you might as well get it done sooner than later. Um, or at least have something in the works in advance so that you can make it happen when the time comes. I think the biggest thing with risk, though, is, uh, you know, obviously the contract was seen as the big issue, right? You know, when that was um, when that was signed, everybody was saying, OK, well, this is you know Chuck Fletcher doubling down on one of his worst mistakes. And at the time, that might have been the case, but he's clearly evolved into a different player, especially under Tortorella. He's not making the same stupid plays that he was making when he when he got here or when he was in Buffalo. He's not chasing hits. He's placing his body exactly where it needs to be to break up plays. He knows how to kill plays. It's just a lot more of what, you know, the little things that need to be done to advance his game in the next level. And, you know, he said that, like you mentioned with the quote earlier, he said he wishes he had Tortorello when he was 18 years old. That, to me, is one of the biggest compliments you can give to a coach. Um, and I know that, you know, not everybody's a massive fan of Tortorella, but there's just certain guys that mesh well with the right coaches. And I feel like with Risto, Torts is the guy that he needed to kind of, you know, give him a little bit of a kick in the ass and, and get himself back to where he needed to be to get on track as an NHLer. And also, too, I think to, to add to that, I think you got to add Brad Shaw in the mix. Because Brad Shaw is another guy 100%. that really worked with with Risto, like really, 100%. really close. And obviously, PK was a huge part of it too. I feel like it kind of started there. Like you saw his game improve on the penalty kill. I don't know if this for for sure, but I wonder if they maybe looked at him and said, "Hey, like maybe try this stuff on the penalty kill and then see how you do with it, and then kind of evolve it into the rest of your game." Because in the PK, it's a little more different. You're more, you know, tight towards the net. You're not really. In a, in a, you're not really moving around as much. I mean, unless the, obviously the pucks in the corner, stuff like that. I think I wonder if they they tried to do something like that. And also at the same time, I, I mean, to to, to put in, in Aristo's credit, I mean, he was fucking thrown to the wolves in Buffalo. It was like first pair, eighteen years old, throw him out there, see what he does. And they did the same fucking thing with Darlene, and and look at where they are. Like Buffalo, just they they've always been this team where they just I feel like they never set up their guys to succeed and they still can, for some reason struggle. Um, I mean, they're not a great team this year already. They've kind of been in this mix of like not really rebuilding. They're supposed to be, it's like, all right, well, when's Buffalo going to turn the page and everyone thinks they're going to, and then they just don't. And like, that's kind of where they're at right now. And I think it's decisions like Risto, like Darlene, like guys that they've had for a long time. Yes. Those guys have, you know, Darlene's one of the best defensemen in the NHL, but it took him a long time to get to that because of the way that he was handled and, and stuff like that too. So I kind of feel like that there are times where people kind of forget with Risto because it's like, oh, well, because the problem with it is everyone has this set notion in their, in their head of like, oh, well, he's, he's this and he'll never be not this. And that that's the fucking problem with it is like, there's always this, 
you know, again, like I said, set notion of like what he's, what everyone thinks he is and what he will never not be. And that's, you know, a good defenseman guy, like all the things that we're saying about him. And that's the problem. No one wants to accept the fact that the guy who is older and he's 28 and can still change. No one wants to accept that. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And um, when I, you know, I remember when they re-signed him, I was just kind of like, all right, let's see what he does because it's a lot of time. That's obviously five years. If he turns it around, cool. And it seems like he has. I mean, this has been about a year now where he's played like this. And I think it's definitely long, you know, long enough to say that he can A continue to do it and B, he definitely has the the skills and the the mental side of everything to continuously keep playing this way, especially if the team's playing well. I just I can't see it just changing overnight. I think he actually turned like twenty nine like a month and a half ago. By the oh, way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 28, 29. Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's actually 29, so he's closer to 30 than he is to 25. I mean, you know, fucking dumbass. You're supposed to know that. But anyway. um, Thanks. Risto, yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, You know, Risto, kind of getting back on topic here, he – it's one of those things, right? Chuck gave up a first-round pick, second-round pick, and a body to get him, and that was when he was, you know, even shittier – Defensively. Let me ask you a question. Is that trade a good trade now? No. I would still say no. <laughs> I would still say no. Well, but... it depends on the pick. Because I don't know who got picked mm. in that. Well, they picked Isaac Rosen in the first Rosen, round. Yeah. Has he really done anything yet? He hasn't had a chance. Uh, no, he's no, in... but he's a good prospect. He's a good prospect. Yeah, so but was... the, the thing with that trade, though, is – it wasn't good back then. Even now that Risto has developed into a better player, I still don't think it's a good trade. But if, you know, Fletcher had to give up a first and a second and a body back then for a guy who was even worse than he is now, you know, he's got the same contract. I think he only, I think he made 5 million when he got here. He makes 5.1 now or something along those lines. It wasn't far off. I know it was the money. 4.7 and then he got 4.7. Five point one. Okay, so, so yeah, the money is not thousand dollar raise. Yeah. So the, yeah, so the money is not you know really different whatsoever, and especially with the cap going up, right? Mm. What would the the price be there? You know, I mean, I think maybe, especially because he's a right shot defenseman, we know how much value that those types of players have on the market. I don't know. You could maybe get a, a late first form <laughs> if there's a team that's really desperate for a big body defenseman. I you never mm. know. I mean. Plus the yeah the premium on righties I don't think I, don't I think, think I think the biggest thing is what what Tanev goes for because he's going to get dealt I think if whenever Tanev gets moved and Zadorov's obviously another part of that who was a guy who's on an expiring deal and I believe is older or the same age or might be a year younger than than Risto I'm not too sure but I think the biggest thing is just with with Tanev if it, whatever that number is going to be because they're they're similar guys. I mean they're right handed, they're big, they're physical. Uh, both of them are, I believe, over six four. I know Risto's listed at six five. Um, Tanev for the uh, he's listed at six foot two. Okay, so he he's a little bit smaller, but he's a he's a mean dude. So like it's not like those guys go for nothing. So I just think if it was a lot taller. That's what I was thinking too. I thought he was taller too, um, but yeah, I, I'm thinking that that's probably the the uh, well, you know, I'm I'm firmly like in the sell high on him while you can mm. belief because 
I mean, I mean, I I don't um if he's that dependent on a, on the having the right coach, and if Tortorella is his coach, then who's to say that Tortorella is even here throughout to see the end of his contract? He might not be, and if by then you know he leaves early, like even as early as next year, who I don't know. You never know with, when he could go, right. and his game falls off a cliff. Then you're stuck with the rest of that money, and so if and if you turn down the offers and that are coming in right now while he's playing well, especially, like I said, being like that right-hand shot, then it's just going to look even worse. When Because we know how – it just sucks knowing how low he can be because we've seen it. It's nice while we're writing this out right now. But, I mean, until he puts it together for like the entire – like I guess throughout the rest of the season, then I'm I'm still on that so high. Yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely fair. I mean, you get we're supposed to be rebuilding, so – yeah, I, t- I totally get where you're coming from with that. You have to, yeah, you have to entertain any, every offer that comes in if that's what you're doing. Hundred percent, and 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 that's that's why I, that, that's where I keep going back to the whole playoffs thing. Like, even if they were again, like I said, even if they were to get in, I don't give a fuck if they lose. If like they weren't supposed to get there, it's not like I'm thinking to myself like, oh, like what am I going to do if they lose? And I'm going to go into this like massive depression. Like I'm not even going to fucking care. I mean, yeah, I'm going to care, but I'm not going to care like that. So I'm like, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing, and. I mean, I, I think the same thing with Walker, too. I mean, if Walker ends up getting you – I mean, Walker could probably get you more because – well, he might actually get you less because he is a free agent, but it's less money. So you don't have to retain anything. Bristol, you might have to retain a little bit. And the Flyers can do that. I mean, they're they're rebuilding. They're supposed to. I mean, you you retain to take on more assets. That's kind of the whole thing. And we saw that with the Provorov deal, which worked out phenomenally for us. So, you know, I, I think the – the huge thing with this is a again the Tanev deal. What does that kind of set this whole thing at if he were to get traded? And B, if the Flyers can find a, a partner to dance with, I'm sure that they've they've probably talked to every team um, that's at least in contention to make the playoffs on on Risto because I think early in the year every team probably calls around. I can't see why no one wouldn't. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's really hard to tell because I don't. I think if they were to trade him, it would be a midseason thing. Can't really see it being at the deadline or or off season. I just deadline wouldn't make any sense for me. So something kind of slightly adjacent to the topic, but still on the line. Um, in the interview Ashlyn Sullivan did with Keith Jones, um, he mentioned like three times Keith Jones. He had like three quotes about like we have cap space, we can take on players from other teams. Specifically, when talking about, like, when asked about, like, if they'd be trading like assets away, whatever, like he mm-hmm. he highlighted specifically that we could take on people with cap space, yeah, um, which I think is an interesting point, and like, and likely with Risto, because I, I would be willing to bet that he would be the first trade we see away from the team. Um, well, well, I mean, we'll see. Anything, literally, anything can happen, but that would be my guess. Um, just because I think he's more likely to be dealt before the deadline. But um, I'm wondering if the route they might take with this rebuilding, but we're kind of like in the playoff picture, at least now, is I'm wondering if they're going to try and like for almost everyone they get rid of, take another player back that maybe is slightly overpaid or something that, won't make our team that much worse. Like, say you lose Risto, but then you get, like, a third-pair guy instead. 
so that if we are in the playoffs, just be a hobby then, trade. Yeah, and then and, and like, well, no, I'm saying we still get picks, but like, we yeah, but yeah, but like, what I'm saying is like, it's it's a trade that helps out both teams. I, that's not even what I'm thinking. I'm just wondering, like, if if their angle here is going to be to try and acquire assets, like like they want to use that cap space, hoping that if they do make the playoffs, they still have these pieces they can throw together. And maybe you get a guy like Sean Walker out of it, who like you think is a third pair guy, and he turns out way better than that under the new coach. Just just something interesting I thought from the interview that I would throw in while we're talking about these trades is how much he seemed to be talking about the cap space and that we can take on players from other teams with that. Um, just thought it was something interesting, worth mentioning. And 100%. I mean, the whole, you know, trades, whether it's Risto or Sealer, Walker, whoever it is, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, uncertain, kind of cloudy future. But one thing that's definitely not, you know, uncertain is uh, can we just talk about the locker room for a second <laughs> i mean i know we're, we're talking about trading and you know kind of messing with the locker room and the chemistry that they're building but the the words that you know tortorella loves to use right that uh or he, so he says he hates but you know the culture the locker room the standard you know all, all these all these yeah. summertime words right the culture here is uh summertime something special words. right now yeah yeah, the, the culture here is something special right now. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things that Ed Snyder did when he was, you know, still alive, obviously, was his yearly tradition of just going into the locker room after the games, high-fiving the guys, you know, shaking their hands, saying what's up, checking in on them. That was sorely missed once he was gone. And, you know, Hilferty, Briere, and Jones, they brought that back. The Flyers just released a couple pictures from the other night when they won. How cool is that to see, man? Like, like how fucking cool is that? It, it's it's badass. It's seeing, I, I think the biggest thing with that is like, it's not even just that you're doing it right. Like, 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 the, like the actual, like them going down and shaking hands. Like, yeah, you can do that, right? And my worry with that in the beginning was like. Okay, are they doing this to basically just to, to, you know, piss on everyone's leg and tell them that it's raining and just basically say, like, you know, we're, we're like basically just doing it for the camera, right? And that was my concern. I was like, all right, I hope this doesn't turn into that. But it's not. It, it 100% is not. And I love that. And, and, and I'm just like, I, I think that the coolest thing about it is it, it adds the respect factor where, like, you just played your ass off for my team and you just, you know, and now I'm, you know, thanking and congratulating you for the win. Like it, it's awesome. I mean, I, I think it really makes you care about the flyers again. It really does. I mean, from where they've been the past couple of years and kind of where everything has gone in the epic shitstorm of what the past, you know, three years have been it. I think a lot of what they have done again, we've said this before, They've said all the right things. They've done pretty much all the right things that they can up until this point. And, and the team has responded to that and played well. And I think you've even seen that in the attendance. It was packed on Saturday. I mean, I wasn't there. Uh, I could tell from, from the camera just from, A, the cheers, and also the the camera from um, you know some of the, the early shots in the game when they would show the crowd and everything. It was packed. And I remember there were a couple times where me and Paul went, we were we were kind of talking about attendance and and I know the Kings game was one of them where I was like, dude, this is gonna be packed. And you're like, 
the game's about to start and nobody's here. And then everyone kind of filled in and, and unfortunately they lost that game five, nothing at home, but you know, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Right. But like, still, I mean, like the, the attendance has been good. I think the vibe around the team is, is good and it's getting there. And unfortunately it's taken the, the fucking downfall of the Eagles to bring up the flyers, which has been good. Oh, uh, you love bit. to see it. Shut up. Love to see it, man. Yeah. Paul's an Eagles fan just for everybody wondering. <laughs> Or Paul's a commander fan. Um, he's not an Eagles fan. Which yeah, we bring that up every time. That for a minute. We bring it up every time. Why? Well, you know, I don't think it needs to be discussed here. I think. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, we, we, how about this? Quote I think you from owe Cam the listener an explanation. This, this is a good quote from Cam Atkinson. Gonna dive in I, I think it's no, no, no. no, 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 no Cam no, Atkinson. No, 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 just, just give a brief. You know, just give me a brief fuck you story about it, and then we'll move on. A brief fuck you story. All right, so um, uh, I I got into football at a later age, and uh, my friend was a uh, a Washington fan, so that was okay. the game on. Loved RG three, fell in love with it. Uh, fell in love with this style, you know, before he you know broke his leg and and ended his career. But um, you know, it was it was fun to watch, and uh, then well, it wasn't, but you know, it was fine. So anyway. Cam Atkinson, you know, um, he said, uh, job, Paul. talking about the room. We need to get the answer. Job, did it. That's yeah, even yeah. more yeah, embarrassing yeah. that you're older and you knew it was going <laughs> I was on. Gonna say, you should have known better. I was like, I was like 11, but yeah, you should have known better. That's fine. Okay. Well, listen, you know who does know better? Cam Atkinson, 13 year veteran in the NHL. You know what he said? He said, We're a family in this room. I've been in the league 13 years, and this is one of the, if not the most special group I've ever been a part of. So, that's kind of a testament to what they're building here. And, you know, Friedman mentioned it earlier with the Risto trade, right? He said, is it worth kind of tampering with the locker room when it seems to be working right now? I think it's a fair question to be said about pretty much anybody. Obviously you have to make some, some trades and, you know, unload the expiring contract you have. If, you know, it's a guy like maybe Nick Sealer who has a lot of value with a minimal contract, he's the type of guy that you're probably going to look to deal you're going to have to make trades, but how much do you want to mess with something that is clearly special? What do we think? The position I don't want to really be in right now because that seems so tough. It's like you, if, if you're the one making that decision, like you know these guys personally, and obviously you didn't expect it to be going this well, and you didn't expect them to exceed the expectations by this much, and so you thought it would be a lot easier of a decision. But, I mean, they're, they're making it really tough. Because you seem like a really, it's gonna, you're gonna feel like no matter what happens, you're gonna feel like a bad guy. I think by like game 65, 60, if they're still in a playoff spot, I do nothing with the roster. I don't do a fucking thing. I keep it the same. I call up whoever I can from Lehigh Valley. If it's Andre, if it's Lixol, again, if they're making the playoffs, I I don't, I don't see any point of them. Why would they? Dude, if they were still in a playoff spot, because you have to commit to the they rebuild. They're still in a fully commi- No, they're not. Though, because, well, they, they are, are, but right, if but you're fully committed to a rebuild, that's half-assing it, though. No, it's that's not. That's half-assing it. If How you're fully committed to a rebuild, you just get in. You because can't, if you're fully Because the GM and Jonesy and whoever can't decide that. The players decide that. They make sure. the playoffs. 
But as management, if you're fully committed to the rebuild, you do what is necessary regardless of how well the team is playing. If, if you can trade a guy like Walker, but they're not going to fucking – if dude, if they're in a playoff spot, they're not going to trade Ristolainen. They're not trading Atkinson. None of the guys that we thought would have been gone would be gone. They're not. I'm sorry. If they're getting in at that point and you have, you know – whatever amount of time to get in, right? And just say that they're in. They're saying that push. Like, I just, I can't see it. You haven't made playoff revenue in six fucking years. Six fucking years up until this point. There's no way that they're just going to say, oh, well, that would be nice. But like, I just, I can't see it. I can't. I just can't. I mean, it, and from a business side of it, it makes no sense. It just doesn't. And I think the biggest no, thing it, is- No, it- Sorry, I, I disagree with that. From, even from a business standpoint- you do whatever it takes to make your team a year-in, year-out contender. Even if, like, maybe, maybe, maybe they screw their chances of making the playoffs in those last 22 games as a result or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as a result, they might make the playoffs for the next eight, nine, ten years like the Penguins did for 16 years. I, exactly. I think the business decision, no matter what, is to – Get the rebuild done correctly. Exactly. I think no matter exactly. what you do, tra- I don't think on some of the non-expiring deals knocks the rebuild off, though. I really don't because it, it's it not necessarily went right back into doing rebuild things and trading guys and whatever. I mean, honestly, it it like I think we're in a different you rebuild though because I don't, you don't think you need trade. another top ten pick. I don't think we're like not that we wouldn't want it, but I'm not saying we're like dying for it. You have Goche, you have Mitchkov, you have you know Bonk and the other guys you've drafted. It's not like you're dying for another top ten pick. You're probably not going to get it either. Like it's not. I think we're just you can you can guarantee it. You You can guarantee it. You have to give a top ten pick. Yeah, you can. You can guarantee a top ten pick. You can no. I mean, not to not a trade, but you can put yourself in a position to just have your where you end up being in the top ten. Yeah, but they're not uh, because they're playing more than to, likely. No, more than likely, so that's no. not gonna happen. You, well, you have to give yourself time to fall, so you got to make a decision at some point soon. Yeah, but they like don't want to. But my my thing is this: they don't want to fucking. It's not okay. just about like sucking. Like a rebuild is not just like to me. A rebuild is not like the fucking Buffalo Sabers. No, I know it's not. That's what that's what Edmonton like, did for years. Like, you yeah, gotta rebuild, you got to rebuild the, the locker room and the culture and stuff like that. Right, and I think they've done that. I think now it's just you keep going on this thing and. And you just keep playing. Like, I just, I'm sorry. I just can't. I don't like the whole, like, purposely losing and, like, oh, we can't do this because of the rebuild. It's not purposely losing. losing. No, I'm not saying. It's not about about purposely losing. I'm saying, like, when we were bringing this up in the beginning, it was like, oh, they should just purposely lose games just because of draft picks and whatever. That's it's counterproductive. You can never build a winning culture if you're constantly losing games. That's not how it works. But the biggest thing that I kind of, you know, took away from what you just said was like and i'm not you know saying you don't know what you're talking about but you don't just hold off on trading guys who are on like you know like i was mentioning earlier like sealer or uh walker whoever it is yeah but you don't hold off on trading those guys just because you're in a playoff spot right but i did did just say that if right but i did just say that if they had a move like that they should make it like they should they could definitely still get in without those guys like, will they? Probably 100%. not. They definitely still could. And probably by the time the deadline comes around, they won't be in a playoff spot anyway. No, so I, I just look at it like, you know, if they're still in that spot, 
I can't see them trying to pass up that opportunity because it, it's a huge thing. And and again, that's also throwing another stink bomb at your room, whether you're adding or subtracting in another way, that still fucks up your room. That they and they've done all this stuff. We just talked about this whole thing about what they've done to to fix it and, and everything. It's hard for me to to really say like you know that they would just like kind of stay the course. Now, look, I know Danny said that already, but like I don't think them making the playoffs is really taking them that far off route. I really don't. Because I just look at it like if you get in and say you have any sort of run and you go and you do what you're going to do anyway, then fine. If you stay to your word, it's fine. And they've stayed to their word this whole time. So that's kind of why I have that belief, I think. So I don't know. I mean, but can, I think but can the players real like can they realistically say they're surprised if even when we're winning we start sending people out of here? Because we 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 defined the season. We we were up front and told them what this was going to be. Therefore, no, I don't think so. This is going to be. I think rebuild. it's the same thing with the fans too. I mean, yeah, I think some people like it. It would be really it, it, it's a hard conversation that to have. I think because a it's hypothetical and like b it's there's still a ton of season left. Still yeah. 52, to game, 52 games to play here. Like, there's a lot of time left. I mean, I mean, last year it took them to what mid January to get their 17th win. I mean, yeah, they're 17, 10, and three. And this it's the Sunday, December 17th, as we're recording this. Like, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. Um, I guess we'll have to kind of see where it goes from there. And also, a quick little word from the uh Sponsor here. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Blade Shades. Um, as I mentioned, I was kind of seeing kind of where the flyers can kind of go. Uh, Blade Shades can also help you obviously see, protect your eyes from the sun, and also, uh, you know, keep your uh, hockey and flyers fandom uh, alive. So if you are a flyers fan looking to share your fandom, we'd like you to check out the hockey stick sunglasses created by our friends over at Blade Shades. The group has both polarized and non-polarized options and several pro teams available, which makes them the, the perfect gift for a hockey fan in your life as well. They've even got goalie stick models uh, available for the 10D in your life. We, for Fly Guys, have a 25% uh, discount for uh, for you when you use code MAYER25, that's M-A-H-E-R-2-5, at checkout at teamclicks.com. That's T team clicks. Uh, T-E-A-M T-E-A-M C-L-I-X dot com. I really fucked that up. Uh, and uh, again, use code Mayor25 M-A-E-G-R 25 at checkout for 25% off. Uh, guys, give me a rating on that one real quick. I know we did it the last fucking time. Really. Fucking worse. Is it worse than the other one? Hard. It was definitely worse. The spelling is hard. Yeah. Spelling is hard. What's, hard. what's harder, spelling or making trades in this league? Oof. Spelling. As Chuck Fletcher, you'd oh, be able to give you a good answer about that one. Yeah, let me pull up the app real quick, and I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a projection oh, yeah. first. Yeah. Good one, the app, man. <laughs> I see what you did there. All right. I wonder uh, if Danny Greer uses the app. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, uh, a couple questions here, fellas. This one comes from the Soda Man OG, always giving us questions. Thank you, Soda Man. He says, Cam Atkinson has looked ineffective both on the score sheet and away from the puck. When does his game turn around? Do you think he needs to sit some games? Do you think he has traded at the trade deadline slash offseason or not at all? I don't think he needs to sit. I think it turns around as soon as he starts getting that lucky one. I think he's actually played better the past couple games. Yeah, I mean, he's been – 
maybe not score sheet like better, but I think as soon as he starts getting like a few bounces going his way, he's putting himself in the position to get them. But you know, sometimes you just get in a rut like this. I think he's looked more like Cam Atkinson recently. I mean, you know, the first few, probably 15, maybe 20 games of the season, he was kind of, uh, he was actually scoring a decent amount, but he didn't really look like Cam Atkinson. He didn't have that same kind of edge, that same kind of like, you know, he's, he's a small guy, but he's kind of just always in the play, kind of driving. He's like a driving force. We haven't really seen that, but I feel like over the past couple games, and especially yesterday against Detroit, he had that one shot. Uh, right at the start of the game, he just kind of cut through the zone and <laughs> danced around a couple guys and took a shot from from further out. It wasn't a super high danger chance, but I feel like he looked more like Cam Atkinson. And, you know, Atkinson's a pretty effective player when he's at his best. I don't think he's traded at the deadline. If he is moved at all, I think it's more of a summertime kind of thing. And to be honest, I don't really know what the return would be. His you know, his contract is for the next two years, I believe, at 5.875. So it's he's an older guy. I don't think he's going to net you a ton of, of return, but, you know, maybe something similar to like a Kevin Hayes type deal. If he were moved sometime during the summer, I could see. But that's honestly as far as I would, I would say maybe they go with that. Yeah, I mean, I think with Cam, um, I don't think – I think it's pretty clear he'll, he'll never be the exact – same player that he was, but I do think he has had some games where he's looked fucking invisible. He still has not scored since November 11th against the Kings. It's been over a month since his uh, last goal. I don't know. I mean, he still, you know, he keeps playing in the the top six, obviously, you know, the relationship with torts. I don't really know if you can really trade him at this point, like with, you could definitely trade him. I, I shouldn't say that, but I think more of like, the return, I think, would be very low, honestly, because I don't think he's maybe 50% of the player, and you could even argue he's less than that. And I don't think he's played bad. I just think he's just just not the same player anymore, unfortunately, because of the injuries. But I do think he's an important guy to have in your room. I think he's an important guy on the ice. He's an important leader to have for the young guys on your team, especially when you are in a, a said rebuild. So I don't know. And also the last couple of games, he's been good. I don't know if anybody mentioned it, but he had that breakaway in overtime against the Caps. So would have been nice if he scored that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a culture guy. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is tough because I think he's a guy that he, he missed a ton of key time here. It would have been, I think, different for his outcome, too. Uh, I think they'll let it be his decision, is what my thought is. Like, I think the return would be low enough that they'll just say, like, hey, like, do you want to be traded or do you want to stay? And if he yeah. says that he wants to go somewhere else maybe for a cup, they'll they'll trade him for something small. If he wants to stay, I think they'll just keep him because th- that's my per- current guess at least unless we see some big change in his um, abilities and he's suddenly way better. I, I think that's just how it's going to be with them. I-, I don't think they'd be itching to get rid of him for the kind of return he'd bring back. Okay, uh, next one. At what point do we consider adding at the deadline if they sit near the top of the division? That one comes from Kev Brog on Twitter. Never. We're not <laughs> buyers. Uh, if we if we become buyers this buyer year, then it's, it's just throwing away what we said coming into this year in the, into the garbage. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're buyers either. Are we all in agreement? I would say even if they're leading the league in points by the deadline, current president trophy favorites, I still hope they don't buy. Uh, maybe maybe don't trade anyone at that point, just leave your team as is. 
I wouldn't buy if they're leading the league. It's sticking with the plan. You know, if you're going to be in a rebuild, you have to fully buy in. And yeah, it's, you know, yeah, no, <laughs> you, you don't buy no matter what. Okay, uh, next one. This one comes from at Flyers Goose on Twitter. He said, we know the timeline for Mishkov and Gauthier, but what's a realistic timeline for the next gen of defense, especially the guys who haven't been drafted yet? Three years, five years, how do you bridge that gap? If you're looking at kind of where the Flyers are at, I'm assuming he's talking about guys like Bonk, guys like Andre, Ronnie Adderd. Any uh, thoughts on that? It's it's tough because the guys like Bonk, you know, he shout out to Bonk actually. He just made uh Team Canada for the World Juniors. Um him and Barky over at at London in the OHL have been, you know, having really good years. Um pisses me off that Barky didn't make the cut there. I don't really know what the deal was with that, but uh, you know, talking about Bonk, he's just a really solid defensive player and he's not the most offensive guy. I think he does remind me a little bit of York. Um, maybe a little bit more offensively skilled, but I think, um, I don't know, maybe you figure if Mishkov and Goche are the next, you know, Goche, maybe as soon as this year at the end or, you know, next year, and then Mishkov, maybe next summer, two summers from now, I'd say Bach is probably around the same, maybe two years, maybe three. Um, if they, you know, kind of go the Sandheim route of having him develop a little bit more before he really makes that full-time transition but not too long probably two two three years yeah i was thinking like three to five is the range like they start coming over in three but i was also imagining more like in the terms of next wave of defense i was imagining like assuming they take a defenseman this year in the draft um so kind of just i just viewed the question differently but i think three years right around that line, at least for the start of like Bonk. I feel like he's probably around there. It's tough because defensemen are always so individual. They always have their own unique cases. But, yeah, anytime a defenseman comes in after being drafted before like three years has gone by, it's pretty quick. So you guys got the range pretty pretty accurate. Okay, next one comes from uh, Alex861808 on Twitter. He said, uh, do you think the Flyers will start to play like how people expected them to play, which is a, a how a real building team would play, like losing games? Um, yeah, I think so. I think – I don't think they're going to continue this. Obviously, there's going to be some losses coming. I don't – the hope, the only thing that when losses do come is don't make it two, three, four, five in a row. If they can do that, then they'll be fine, and that's how you can kind of know when you're a good team and when you're shit is when you can make losses, you know, shorter and make the wins longer. That's kind of the 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 big test for me. The way that question is worded makes it sound like at at some point they're just going to decide to start losing, which yeah. is never going to it's not going to happen. But uh yeah, I think eventually the league catches up with them at at some point and you know, we start to fall to second wild card maybe just out of it that range. Yeah, I agree. Exactly that. Paul, anything? I mean, yeah, you know, it's probably not going to be sustainable. Work ethic is the number one thing that's got them that gotten them to this point. They're not an incredibly talented team on paper, but you know, it's a Tortorella team. Their condition, strong work ethic. 
it's that I think that can only get you so far in, in a league with so much talent and, you know, it'll probably catch up to them, but for now they're doing great. And um, I think we should probably enjoy the winning hockey while it's here because it's probably not going to last, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, this one comes from Zach Steinman underscore on Instagram. He said, will Urson continue his terror? I certainly hope so. Especially if hard continues to be sick doesn't seem like it and my guess is that Hart's probably gonna get two of the next three even though in four of the next five games it's two sets of back-to-backs uh it's Nashville Detroit and then Vancouver uh Seattle when they come right out of the break so I do think it's going to be split a little bit and I can't see Hart getting two games in a row especially because Vancouver looks really good Seattle's kind of really bad and uh you know the uh Next couple of games will be pretty big going into the break, but I'm assuming Hart will probably get the next two, and then I would do – or may, I don't know. I, I, I can't see Hart getting three in a row, especially with a back-to-back. But I do think that Urson can continue it. It's just if he keeps playing. I think he's yeah. looked phenomenal. You go, Paul. No, you're good. I just – yeah, you know, I think um he'll – uh like you were saying, I, I don't think Hart plays three in a row, especially coming off of sickness, obviously, for the second time in like such a short period of time, too. Plus, with how well Erickson's been playing recently, I don't think there's any way you can sit him out three straight games. Um, will he continue it? Uh, I'll say, yeah. I, I think he's proven time and time again that he has the skill to be a legit backup, potentially even a, a starter in the league. And, um, you know, I, I – think his sample size this season has shown that so uh hopefully hopefully he does he doesn't really i'm fine he doesn't really have to play like a starter i'm fine with that like he doesn't have to be shutting teams out left and right but as long as he creates just an option in the locker room because i know it takes a lot of pressure off heart to know that if he's not playing that they still have a shot to win so just for the whole dynamic of the team in the locker room and stuff like that i hope he uh stays like this yeah you got it um, not exactly. You guys basically said what I was going to say, but the one quick thing I'll ask real quick is, do you guys think our goalies are outperforming or the defense is outperforming? And that's what we're seeing this good. I think it could be a mix of both. I think the D has been really solid. Um, I think the goalies, I think the goalies have been the best penalty killers. And I also do think that with how the the way that they've won a lot of these games, they haven't really had to rely on their goaltending as much. You know what I mean? Like it felt like last year they had to rely on Hart every fucking game to win. Now they don't have to do that as much. And even when Urson's in that, I think both goalies, they give them a chance in every game. Obviously they've been scoring, but I, I think it's been a mix of both. I think everybody's probably playing – a little too high right now, and that's a good thing. I mean, they keep winning games, and you know, we keep doing that. You're gonna you're gonna have teams and stretches like they've they've had, and you know, eight game point streak at a five game winning streak. Like they've been doing a lot of good things. So I think I think it's definitely a mix of both. Yeah, no, their their goalies, Hart and Erson, have both I think played out of their minds in a lot of a lot of their starts. So that's obviously part of it. I think it also helps that Nick Sealer blocks everything that fucking moves. That is also <laughs> very helpful. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a combination of both. 
Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely a good point. Okay, last one, and this is certainly a question. This comes from uh, post this ninety nine on Twitter. He said, "Since the Flyers' young players are playing great, would you trade Mitchkov for a first line young center? This would speed up the rebuild." I don't think it would speed up the rebuild. I think it would burn the city down. To be honest with certainly you, certainly a um, fucking question. That makes me. I think Xfinity Live. I think Xfinity Live would catch on fire. To be honest with you, from all the rioting in the fucking streets. But, um, I think there would be a a hit posted for Danny Briere and Keith Jones. <laughs> that would not go well, dude. I really hope. I really hope no. this is a shit post. I really hope this is not serious. I yeah, I was really hoping that when I read it, but I was like, okay, that's that's serious. How about, how about name me the player that you'd like to trade him for? That's what that's like five players on, on that list. Fucking Leon Dreisaitl. Like five players in that list. Oh no, I'm like, I would no, I wouldn't even for Dreisaitl. No, yeah, he said a young center. If that, if that, if this guy can name me the young center he had in mind and then justify it, I, I'll be. I, I feel like the only one you even have a little bit of a case for is Fantilli. No, not even that. Like Fantilli. No, uh, yeah, even yeah, that. Like I don't young center. Is is Stutzla a center? Bedard. Bedard is the only fucking one that I would yeah, do that for. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Do shit. I forgot about Bedard. Yeah. It blows me away. I forget about Bedard. I, bro, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bedard and Fancilli like, are probably the only options. And if, even then, this I don't... is serious, this sounds like the kind of guy that would, is like... Or if it was like Celebrini or some shit. Oh my! Like if you got if not in the league yet. Right, but I'm saying if you traded them and say you got the number one, the, the team that had the number one pack or something. Do you think that team I would mean, take it? Yeah, no, they wouldn't do it. You're kidding. There's so much, more, like there's so much more risk. There's so it much more risk who... around Mitchkov. It's yeah. like yeah. No, no team would make that trade. Whoever has the number one pick, you're not trading for a guy who might come over and play for you versus a guy who is going to come over and play for you and is already a number one pick. You're not they're not gonna do that. I mean, yeah. But yeah, that's that's anyway. definitely, a, definitely a question. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a question. All right, fellas. That's uh, pretty much all we got uh, for this episode. Obviously, it's a little bit longer uh, as uh, you know we finish up recording here. I know we didn't do a pod for a little bit. Flyers got a couple more games, as we mentioned. Uh, next three, Jersey on Tuesday. That should be fun. Uh, the last game against Jersey was very exciting, so it should be interesting to kind of see how the Flyers fade up this time. Then Nashville at home, a rematch there, and then the Red Wings in Detroit. Uh, Friday night, and then the Flyers are off for a couple of days. They'll be back the 28th and 29th, Vancouver and uh, Seattle, and then they'll round out this month, uh, New Year's Eve against Calgary uh, to end out 2023. We'll probably be doing a pod. Uh, my guess is after the next game against the Wings on Friday night, and then probably into uh, that break for a couple of days. I'm sure we'll be doing one then. Uh, so thanks everybody again, and thank you for submitting all your questions. We really do appreciate it. We've got a lot of support so far on the uh, first couple of episodes. Obviously, this being the fifth one. So thanks a lot for all your support, as always. We're talking and, guys. And one, one more thing, just shout out to Will for recording this in the fucking Tampa airport. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Will, for doing that because that was that was fucking baller. Um, so we uh, yeah. we obviously appreciate that, and obviously appreciate you fellas. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys all again. So, see you guys.